talk about your favorite philosophical concepts or principles. Not princi- mine. Yeah, your favorite philosophical ideas, um, whether they're mainstream or not, by whatever philosopher. Um, and also, um, I don't know if we're going to get time to do this, but also talk about, um, I guess, the philosophies you've developed uh, throughout studying this this course. But uh, I want to hear, like, e- even if it's not top three, any of your favorite uh, philosophical concepts. There are, I have a few, like the stuff I've written on, however it takes a while for it to get to like the juicy part. I think I'll leave that for later because I don't know about time. But um, I'll start with some stuff that maybe people would like to hear about because it's like, you know, you can like think about it on your own already. Mm-hmm. Um, one, uh, as, one area in philosophy is um, epistemology or rather like the study of knowledge. So one um, problem in, or, so when we look at like epistemology, probably the most important or like most well-known, most popular question, or most asked question is like, what is knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you ask that, you know, you get like well, a lot of different responses depending on what people are saying. But um, a, a one way to approach that would be to say like, okay, well, let me see. Uh, what do I know? Well, I know, I know that you're wearing a, a maroon shirt. Okay. Right. right. And you would say that I know that. Okay. Well, what does it mean to know something? In other words, what criteria do I need to meet in order to satisfy um, the knowledge um, uh, uh, criteria? Um, and Plato first said, like way back then, he said, well. In one of his writings, he said, well, knowledge is justified true belief. So he said that, it's going to be kind of technical, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain it later. But like, you know, take any, and th- he applies this to um, our knowledge of like sentences or like um, uh, propositional uh, knowledge. So like, know that, so know that P. So like, I know that I have a water bottle in my hand. Or, like, I know that uh, trees grow on grass like I know that the sky is blue so you said that you know um, to know that P is uh, to believe that P uh, to have a justified reason for believing that P and for P to be true so in other words uh, he uh, you know for example um, I know that you're wearing a maroon shirt okay let's see if I know that I believe that I believe that you're wearing a maroon shirt and that's just a belief right um, I'm justified because I see you wearing it. So that's, that's justification for it. And it's true. It's true that you're wearing the shirt. So because I meet the criteria, it, it's, it's more technical, but basically because I meet the criteria, then okay, I have knowledge. I, right. I would say that I know that you have a moon shirt. So you have to, you have to possess that knowledge. So uh, you, have you, to, you have yeah. to possess the criteria in order to, be, in order to uh, have knowledge, in order to say that you have knowledge of something. So if you, but if you deny it, even though the fact is true, so the the fact of whether or not P is true is irrelevant. It's just that you have to meet the criteria yourself. No, order, no. no. Uh, P is true needs to stand uh, objectively. Whether oh, yeah, yeah, whether course, something is course. true or not doesn't doesn't matter what we think of something. If something is true, it's true. Right. Even if we all die tomorrow, it's true for yeah. the most part. I'm like, I'm like, we're not talking about like mental states, right? But yeah. like you know, sky is well. Uh, 
that trash can is there. That's true, even if you know we die tomorrow, in a sense. Mm -hmm. But anyways, for them, for like uh, two centuries, everyone was like, yeah, you know, Plato got it. And for the most part, I didn't. No one really objected to it because, like, yeah, it makes sense. If you have these three things, then you have knowledge. That's that's what not it means to have knowledge. If you want to get technical, you know, those three things are necessary and sufficient conditions for knowledge. But whatever. Um, however, this American philosopher named Edmund Gettier says, eh, well, that's not really the case. And he wrote a three-page paper where he said, basically, he gave two examples and said in the, like, um, throughout the paper that with these two examples, I'll show that, you know, Plato was wrong. Knowledge is not justified true belief. Mm -hmm. And the example he gave was this. Um, I think he used Jones and Smith. He's like, imagine Jones and Smith are trying to get a job, like, um, a business. And, you know, uh, Jones um, is told by the, 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 like the CEO uh, ahead of time that um, Smith uh, is going to get the job. Okay, so Jones, they're both going to apply. But Jones is told by the CEO, you know, let's say, like, they're, they're passing each other. He's like, oh, by the way, you know, Smith's going to get the job. Sorry, right? Mm-hmm. And Jones is like, oh damn, okay. And let's say also Jones, um, when uh, when when they were when Jones and Smith were talking beforehand, uh, Jones uh, found out that Smith had like ten coins in his pocket. Okay, so Jones uh, knows that Smith, or let's say Jones saw that Smith has ten coins in his pocket, right? And Jones was told by the CEO that Smith would get the job. So Jones is justified in believing that Jones, I'm sorry, that Smith will get the job. And that Smith has 10 coins in his pocket, right? So from there, he concludes that, okay, so the person who will get the job has 10 coins in his pocket, right? That's right. what he concludes. So he has a belief. It's justified because, you know, he, the CEO told him that Smith was going to get it. And that, he, you know, he saw he counted Smith's uh, coins. And um, he, ho he thinks that it's going to be true, right? So we'll see, right? Right. So, and if it's true, then he knows it, right? Mm -hmm. Well... Unbeknownst to, to um, Jones, he himself has 10 points in his pocket, right? And it actually turns out that the CEO actually lied to Jones. And really, Jones will end up getting the job, not Smith. Mm -hmm. So, in the end, Jones knows, or not Jones knows, sorry. Jones believes that, you know, the, the person who uh, has 10 coins in his pocket will get the job. Um, he's justified in believing that because of what I said. And it's true. Why? Well, because Jones himself will end up getting the job and he himself is sitting within his pocket. But Jones didn't think that he was going to get it. He thought he, he got that conclusion from thinking that it was Smith. So according to the original criterion of like what is knowledge, Jones knows um, that you know, the, the person who gets the job has 10 coins in his pocket. But he doesn't know it. Right. Because he got lucky right. in a sense. So that example basically, you know, destroyed, not destroyed, but like it just really like shook up everything in philosophy of epistemology. So that was like a breaking point? Yeah, yeah. that was like a paradigm shift, if you want to say. Just the last hundred years, because everyone was like, oh crap, yeah, that's true. Like, he doesn't have knowledge. So then what is knowledge? Well, then part of it then I would think is because how can you have certain knowledge uh, how can you have knowledge of that if the event hasn't happened yet right so well you, you can change it actually to make it e even more clear imagine you and I are driving 
you know, in the in the middle of like I don't know some like some like a rural countryside, and then we come we come across a prairie where there's like a bunch of barns. It seems to us a bunch of barns everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say I I'm like looking around and then I, uh, I I I point to one and I tell you I'm like oh look there's a barn over there, right? Now, I would say I know there's a barn over there. Why? Because I see the barn, right? So I believe that there's a barn over there. I just believe it, right? I'm justified in believing it because I see it, and I say, and you know, we'll see if it's true, right? Now, as it turns out, yeah, there is a barn over there. It's true, right? So I meet the criterion. So I would therefore know that there's a barn over there. However, unbeknownst to me, every other barn I see there is not really a barn, but rather like a, 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 a cardboard cutout of a barn. That from my angle, it seems like there's all of them are barns, right? But they're not. Yeah. And in a sense, I just so happened to pick up the only non-cardboard barn. So right. I picked up the real barn. So, in that sense, it's happening right there. I'm not, I'm, I'm not believing anything false. Unlike the last case where, like, you know, I, I believed that Jones would get the job, but the Smith would get the job, right? But that was false, right? Here, everything, I'm, I'm like, you know, everything seems good. But yet, I don't think we would say that I knew that there was a barn there. Because if I had just, you know, looked at a different one, I would have said the same thing. But yet, you know, it wouldn't have been a barn. So I would not have known that there was a barn over there because it would have been false that there is a barn over there. So it's it's very, you know, it's very, like, you know, precise in the sense. And, like, right. you know, it's kind of like, oh, uh, we're just, like, you know, uh, picking at things. But so what's that's, the, like, yeah. that's, like, that's, like, that, that's the, that's... That is a counter example, right? In like the fullest sense of the word. Like you, you want you hear counter examples. That is a counter example to the idea that you need justified true belief in order to have knowledge. And that just happened a hundred years ago. And then philosophers were like, "Oh yeah, so wait, so you know what's knowledge?" Right. And that was a hundred years ago. And then yet people saying, "Well, you know, philosophy doesn't make progress." Well, does it? Like, you know, this guy just kind of like showed that what a lot of philosophers thought to be true is actually not true. Right. And something as important as what is knowledge. And it's relevant and important because we all claim to know things. And I don't think there's anyone yeah. that would not claim that they know at least something. We all claim to know something about, you know, the world. But yet, what is it to know something? And it seems here that these, like, you know, this guy just showed everyone that, like, oh, you know, maybe we were wrong, you know. And there's been a lot of ways to fix it, and, you know, it's been, it's been a hot topic. That's one of the hot topics um, in epistemology. But um, right. that's one example of, like, philosophy making progress, where other pe- people might say philosophy doesn't make progress. But that's one example where, like, yeah, it does. And it's not trivial. So is that the consensus of the philosophical community right now, that... That is where that is um, the epistemology. No. no, no, no. Uh, right now, that was that happened like in the sixties, I think. So it happened, happened like. So it's changed again. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think there's. I mean, I'm not an epistemologist, so I'm not entirely certain where that debate is currently today. But um, when it happened, everyone tried to like you know, whenever there's a hot topic in philosophy, philosophers kind of like gather around it. And, and they tried to like figure out, you know, all right, what can we do about it? So once that came out, you know, philosophers were like, okay, let's try to figure this out. What can we do to fix it? So nowadays, um, 
philosophers have been, they've offered different solutions to it, different problems. Um, so that's where it is now. Um, I'm not entirely certain if there's been like another paradigm shift regarding that problem, but um, that's recent. That's, con- that's like contemporary-ish in a sense. So that's, that's epistemology right there. Hmm. So yeah, that's one area of like, of like my area kind of in philosophy. Okay, um, that's crazy. Didn't really think too much <laughs> about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, another another thing, which uh, moving on to like metaphysics and stuff like that, um, I think another thing that people might be able to like relate to, uh, and what, what I was talking about is that you know, those that don't uh, don't have experience in philosophy tend to say things like, oh, you know, is um, philosophers must think of things like you know, what is what is a tree or like you know what is being or like what is what is good what is the good what is free will but i mean in 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 a certain capacity you guys do well have to ask those questions well let me get to that but like you know non-philosophers um i'm fairly certain because that's that's the that i had that like you know those were certain questions that philosophers handled um and they do like i said the, the 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 example I gave earlier was an example of that. It was looking at what is knowledge, right. and the whole thing of conceptual analysis. That's what it's called, trying to analyze a concept, right? And philosophers do that. However, I mean, if you want to start getting more controversial, mm-hmm. in a sense, um, one of my professors uh, he holds the view that a lot of these questions, they're kind of there's a sense in which they're empirical, and that philosophers should not be asking these kinds of questions right. but rather a different version of these kinds of questions which is odd because we w- you would think that well certainly the question of what is free will that's like a philosophy question like what is good right like if if anything that is philosophy right there like what do you mean that we're going to turn it over to like sociologists or scientists that makes no sense but you know i i've been kind of persuaded by this but i agree that yeah like the question of like what is free will? That's not that on its own is not a question that philosophers should be um, should should focus on. The reason why is because, well, I think, and I, I'm persuaded by my professor on this, who's written a lot on this recently, is that these questions uh, would be better off because the issue is this: whenever people discuss things, um, people tend to eventually get to a point where, like, they say, "Oh, well." That's just semantics for like, oh yeah, you know, you're just, you're just like focusing on the meaning of the terms. But in a sense, we need to get clear on the meaning of our terms. Like again, that's, I'm kind of echoing like this analytic idea, like traditional analytic idea that we need to be specific with our terms. And I say that because, you know, if, if, if you and I discuss, you know, what is free will, right? And we start saying, well, free will is like having the ability to do your own actions or whatever. Let's say that's my idea. And I say, yeah, I think we do because, you know, I can pick up this water bottle. But then you and your mind, you're like, let's say you think that free will is like, well, free will is like, you know, not not having it be like, I don't know, predetermined by like our, our, our atoms or whatever. Then you'd be like, no, there's no free will. So then you'd be like, no, free will doesn't exist. Like you can't, you picking it up was, it was, not, was not of yeah. your own volition, right? And ultimately, we're just going to get into this dispute, which is called a mere verbal dispute of like, you know, whether or not 
this act of picking up a water bottle constitutes a free-willed act. But in a sense, that's missing the point. What we're doing is we're arguing over, you know, we, we think that we're arguing something deep and like metaphysical about like reality, but we're not. What we're arguing about really is we're just arguing about the like, um, we're actually just, you know, talking past each other. We're not, we're not even on the same page on what the meaning of free will is. So ultimately, we, we may have a mere verbal dispute where you agree that if free will is what I say it is, then yeah, this is an act of free will. And, oh, okay. uh, and then we agree that if free will is what you say it is, then yeah, this is, an act of free, this is not an act of free will. But if that's what this boils down to, then we're wasting our time. We should, like, that's, you know, we're, just, we're just talking past each other. We're not, getting, we're not making any progress in that sense. So what, when we ask the question of like, what is free will, for instance, that's not a question for philosophers. What philosophers should do is say, okay, take that question and separate it. We need to, we need to say first, what do we mean? What do, what do people mean when they say free will? And then on the other side, just, just you know, postulate, you know, just, just, just put forth a certain version of free will and say if we have it. Mm-hmm. So let's there just say, go. let's yeah. just say, okay, let, let, let's say this, let's err on, err on free will. Let, let's, let, let, let's assume that's true and see if we have it or see what the problems are with it. And let's see the other question of, well, what do we mean when we say free will to the sociologists, to the scientists, to the historians? Because that's not a philosophical question. That's going to come down to like a poll of all of humanity and figuring out what do we mean by free will. And if what humanity means by free will is Aaron free will, then oh, and if we figure out, if philosophers figure out that Aaron free will is, let's say, inconsistent, then we don't have free will. Because free will, by what we mean, would be Aaron free will. And Aaron free, Aaron free will, philosophers have you know, figured out is actually inconsistent and will lead to a contradiction, and we can't have that. So no, we don't have it. Or, you know, um, uh, what, what, what people mean by, by, by free will is really David free will. And philosophers, they, fig- they figure out David free will is consistent, and it's good. And, and, it's, and if we have David free will, then me picking up this water bottle is, you know, a free act, a free willed act. Okay, then I guess we do have free will. Right. But without making that clear philosophers may just get into like a merely verbal dispute and that's not the realm of philosophy that's the realm of sociology or or science Uh philosophers or at least i think that philosophers should be focusing on you know setting the foundation trying trying to come up with like you know trying to figure out we deal with arguments so give me an argument and then we will figure out if it's a good one by checking to see if it's valid and if it's consistent, you know, if the premises are consistent with one another, and if it's sound, you know, we'll, we'll work on that. Meanwhile, you know, the sociologists will figure out if, like, you know, what people mean when we say these things, you know. Right. So, yeah, that's... And that's... Remind me of... This is uh, related to metaphysics? This, yeah, th- this discussion we have about conceptual analysis would be a metaphysical question because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like... It's looking at, like... I don't want to sound spooky, but it's like, you know, looking at things that are like in this, uh, I mean, metaphysics, defining it is tough, right? but that would constitute a metaphysical question because in the sense can't. of like, it's not, yeah. it's, 
it's can't not. Define it by I, I guess being you could physical. say. It, yeah, I don't want to say anything about any specific, but yeah. If you want another example of, of a metaphysical question, which I think is really interesting, yeah. um, and I think everyone has to say on this is numbers. We all use numbers, right? Um, so when I say um, two plus two is four, or something something easier, three is prime, mm-hmm. is true, right? right? That's true, right? right? Three is prime, and that's true because oh yeah, you know prime. We know the meaning of prime, and we know three. Three is prime. Yeah, true, right? Okay, right. well. This is kind of also like philosophy of like language and like logic stuff here too. But like whenever we say, whenever we have something and we attribute a property to it. And if we say that, you know, like if we say, you know, um, A is F, A is an F, then A needs to exist in order for that to be true. Like if I say Aaron is happy, right? If that's true, then Aaron needs to exist. Right. Like, forget about what you think of, like, happy and, like, well, is he really happy? Forget about that. But when I say Aaron is happy and I say that's true, then Aaron must exist, right? Right. And, yeah, he's right here. Okay. Right. So when I say three is prime is true, I'm attributing the property prime to three. I'm saying of three that it's prime, right? Right. And that it's true. If it's true, then three needs to exist, right? But in what sense does three exist? Does it exist in the sense of like physical space? Like, you know, it, it is, um, does three refer to three things? Does it exist or does it exist like in our minds that three is like a mental concept? And so when I say three, I'm referring to the concept three in my mind. Or, or is, it, is it neither physical nor mental where it's like, you know, like abstract? Where like three exists in like some sort of like non-physical, non-mental realm, mm-hmm. or is there no such thing as a, like a, a number three, and in which sense three is true, three is prime is not true. Yeah. So those are the four views. Now, three cannot be a physical. You, you, three. When I say three, and I'm talking about a number, a ne- like the numbers are not physical things. They, right. You know, they can be manifested physically, but they, they can't be physical because we have concepts of infinity and stuff like that. Or even like, think of the biggest number you can think of, right? right? There's not even that, that many atoms or like that many quarks in the universe, right? right. And then even, even, even if you get the number of quarks, you can always like multiply it and get more and more numbers. So get the biggest number. You're not going to get that number in the universe, right? right. So it can be physical. Then you say, well, it, you know, it's a mental thing. It's what we think of. Okay, fine. But again, can you really think of all the numbers at once? Right. In exactly. your mind? I'm pretty sure this number no one's thought of before. Not only that, but if numbers refer to things in our mind, if humans got went extinct tomorrow, then all mathematical statements would turn out false because numbers would have no reference. But yet, even if we all died tomorrow, three is prime, we would want to say it's still true. We're not that. We're, right. we're not. We're not that. Um, we're not. We're not that like important as humans. We're important, but we're not that important, right? Like you know. It's the concept don't, don't. itself. Yeah. So then it's like, well, the only other there's only two other options. Either numbers are some sort of like neither mental nor physical things, or they don't exist. And that's where you know you have to say something crazy. Like you either need to say, well. Yeah, like I, I can't afford to say that all of math, all mathematical statements are false. Like, if anything is true in this world, 
surely mathematical statements are true. Like right. maybe, you know, when I say Aaron is wearing a maroon shirt, maybe that's false. Maybe I'm hallucinating. You know, right. maybe it's not maroon. Maybe it's like purple. But like, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm seeing it wrong. Right. Right. But surely, surely, you know, if, if, you know, if, if I, if, if even I was having those illusions, two plus two equals four is true. Like that's just, that must be true. Right. But then if it's true, then numbers will have to be neither mental nor physical things. And in, in philosophy, we call that an abstract object. Oh so then God, all of a sudden, all that. of a sudden you're buying into abstract objects. Yeah. And for some philosophers, they're like, no, that's crazy. Like, what the heck? So they exist somewhere. We can't see them. And like, and, and they exist outside of our minds, which again, they would have to. If, if, for instance, if when I say three, you and I are talking about the same number, it can be a mental object in my mind because that's my object. We don't share mental objects. You right. have yours and I have mine. So that's another reason why it can be a mental object. Right. So it's like, okay, well, I guess, I guess our minds kind of reach out together. And we both pull out the same number three. And, we, and then we get a copy of it in our mind. And then we put it down into reality. That's crazy. But then the other side is like, okay, so then we have to say that numbers don't really exist. But then if we say that, three is prime is, strictly speaking, literally false. And so is two plus two equals four. And so is, you know, so is all of arithmetic and all of math and all that is, strictly speaking, false. Right. Then it's like, do you, are you gonna, you know, are you gonna stomach that conclusion? Like, that's that's also something crazy too. So of course you can get around that. There's ways to kind of try to get around that, but ultimately you're not gonna get around it in like a nice clean cut way. You gotta say something crazy. Now, of course, you know you can go through your whole life without having ever having to worry about that. Right. But if you ever want to figure out the meaning of your terms, and if you ever want to figure out. Yeah, you know, I do math all the time. I think I think when I say certain mathematical statements they're true. Well, then what are our numbers? You can have to say one or the other thing. Unless you come up with a third thing, then like, oh, if you, if you come up with another uh, explanation of what maths are, and if you give a good argument, then hey, publish it, and you know you'll be making money because <laughs> you know good right. job on you. But it seems you guys did something crazy, and you came across that a lot in philosophy where you, you're not going to get the nice answers. And, and that's where you get a lot into these, these you know, arguments where they're not superfluous. In other words, they're not pointless. These arguments are substantial and they're important. And they're relevant to an extent where, yes, like I said, you can go your whole life never having to think about these things. But if you ever want to stop and like think about, yeah, you know, what, what, does, what does this mean? What does that mean? You know? turns out you know there's you know you can you can arrive at these crazy conclusions and you know so you know those two are examples of like analytic philosophy right there that's Question. like that's yeah that would be analytic stuff that's like stuff within like the field that i know of yeah um so you know that's that's philosophy that that, that those are two examples of philosophy both you know, in epistemology, the knowledge thing, yeah. and the two problems I mentioned, both of conceptual analysis and of um, the the issue of the of numbers, right. um, that's in metaphysics. You know, those those are those are things that, for instance, I would look into in my area. And of course, there are so many other things to look at, 
like for instance you know what is the meaning of life that's another whole other issue that for instance continental if you want to stick with that term mm -hmm. but that's another area of philosophy you know yeah that i don't know a lot about but i would not denigrate because i, I understand the value of that and i have no doubt that surely people you know lose sleep over that because eventually yeah i feel like that's a question we all ask and you know that's also very that that's a valid area to study in philosophy mm -hmm. along with like ethics you know what is good right. what is bad good another area in philosophy to study you know and all these areas are substantial and they're important right. but what were you gonna ask yeah i wanted to ask um going back to the whole thing of the concept about numbers not being a mental or a physical um, object yeah object yes so what how when did the concept of the abstract object uh, come to being and what else is included aside from numbers? Good question. Um, so those two questions. The first one, I don't know. Um, I'm not, even though I love the history of philosophy, mm -hmm. I'm not a history of philosophy buff. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to, you know, say something and like misconstrue it. Mm -hmm. um, I will say though, from what I know, uh, this idea of like abstract objects it, you can kind of go back all the way to Plato. So back in a lot of, you know, I forgot who said this. I think it was, I think it was Alfred North Whitehead. I don't know. I'm I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But someone, someone uh, said that all of all of like Western philosophy can be traced back as footnotes to Plato. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something there. We're like, yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff you can kind of see like the beginnings in like Plato and Aristotle. Mm -hmm. But Plato, he had this idea of, like, a theory of forms. And, you know, he a lot of his philosophy, he would usually try to find a way to sneak that in there. And he would talk about, like, you know, what makes a chair a chair is that it... it I'm kind of bringing, like, modern terminology here. But, like, it, like it, it, it instantiates the form of chair. Or, you know... What makes a chair a chair is that it, 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 is a, it is a particular instance of the perfect chair. And then people were like, well, okay, but where, where is this perfect chair? Like, where is the form chair? And Plato was like, oh, it's in the, it's in the world of forms. Mm -hmm. And this world of forms were, was like where the perfect everything existed. And that was how we knew something was a something. Because we can, you know, and he said that, you know, before we were born, you know, we came, we, we got a glimpse of it. And that was how we got the idea. We, we know what a trash can looks like because we got the glimpse of like the perfect one before we came in. So this is crazy, right? But that was like the early ideas of like abstract objects where like, you know, things that weren't physical nor mental but still existed. So nowadays, more sane examples where people actually like, yeah, it's like numbers, propositions, which are the meaning of, of, of statements. So... When I say, you know, snow is white, and when I say, you know, the same thing in, like, Spanish or French, right? I'm saying three different sentences, but they express the same proposition. Right. So propositions, philosophers say, are also, you know, abstract objects because they're not physical, you know. We, we, if I walk down the street, I'm not going to bump into the meaning of grass is green. I'm not going to. But it's not mental either because surely you and I, you know, we can both, you know, grasp and share the same proposition. 
in our minds. So it can be mental because then, like I said, you can't take my mental object from my mind. It's mine. So it has, you know, it probably maybe is abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, other things are like, um, it, gets, it gets more, it gets more precise and like kind of like weird. But I would say those are the two prime examples, numbers and propositions that people tend to say, yeah, that's abstract. Um, there are some other ones, but um, usually those are the two things that philosophers tend to, most philosophers would be inclined to accept into their like belief system, despite it sounding crazy. So yeah, <laughs> I would say uh, that, yeah, th- th- that would be, um, those would be the two kinds of things. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 that's the metaphysics. That would be considered studying metaphysics or studying that. Yeah. 